Yeah, January is going to be a bit and a half. But on that note, folks, welcome to another episode of Not Another Film Podcast. Now, normally, this is the podcast where we take movies we used to love as kids and we re-examine them in the harsh and sobering light of 2019. Soon to be 2020. Soon to be 2020. And I will never mess up that date the same way I never messed up 2019. We'll see about that. I still never messed it up. Uh, but yes. we're reaching the end of a decade in cinema. The 2010s. Wow. They're ending. So what we wanted to do this week was go through our list of the top 15 movies of the decade. Now, each of us has painstakingly made our lists. And we're going to be going through them... 15 to 1. <laughs> Lauren just started her list this morning. Some of us made a list of the best 100 movies. <laughs> or is trying a little too hard. Yeah, that is I. <laughs> and they will all match up exactly. Yeah, we all have the exact No one will taste. be angry at all. We're a hive mind. <laughs> uh, and so we are going to discuss, we're going to just go down our lists. But that's it, folks. We've got this going on. We want to let you know at the top of the show now, because I'm going to start doing this at the top of the show. If you're listening to the show, we love you. And you know what would make us love you even more? Leaving us a review on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or not iTunes, Apple Podcasts. That's what they'd like to be called now. I'm running out of fake email addresses to leave bot reviews on our... I uh, fucking knew it was you. I knew you were Wall-E, dude. <laughs> um, You're going to ruin my top movie of 2000. <laughs> also, this offer still stands from, from when we first started this. If you give us a review and recommend a movie, we will watch that movie. We will. And if you live in the Chicagoland area and you want to be on the podcast, we will put you on this podcast. We will not check beforehand if you are a sane or cool person. No you are just process. invited to our house to hang out with us and our cat. It's like The Holiday. We rewatched The Holiday last night and that movie is wild. The trust <laughs> that Cameron Diaz and Kate Winslet show each other. never They don't meet until the last two minutes of the movie, but they just let each other stay in their what house. What a spoil one of my movies, Cole. <laughs> that movie is two separate movies. <laughs> That's like, I love New York, but for just two stories and it doesn't take place in New York. Needless to say, if we let Daniel Milhouse on this show, anyone's <laughs> fair game. <laughs> exactly. This is true. All right. Uh, so, very first, uh, I'm joined by Eric Eilerson. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. I've been waiting for this episode for weeks. I originally wasn't even sure I wanted to do it, and then I started making a list, and you know how making lists is. My, I it's love so fun. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait. Great. I'm Ian Gears, one of your other co-hosts. Lauren Thompson's here. Lauren, how are you? I'm great. And Cole Goff is here. Cole, how are you? I'm good. I need to, I I need to guard my phone, apparently, because Lauren's sneaking peeks. Oh, I'm sorry. I saw a poster and I got very excited. Lauren is not allowed to change. All of your choices are locked. Oh, yeah, everything is secret, me. also. None of us have... We have, like... I mean, we've chatted as, like, friends do, but we do not know numbers. We don't know numbers. Um, so I'm very excited to find, find I can things out. I guess numbers. What I, I wanna... feel like we all know each other pretty well at this point. The way I want to handle this also, folks, is I want to do um, draft picks orders. So we will start on one side of the room, go to the other side of the room, then that side of the room will then get the next pick. Oh, we'll a kind snake. Of keep, we'll keep I would like going. to point out our listeners do not know how we're sitting. I just introduces uh, introduces and seated. That, that's right to, right to left. left. I'm usually on Ian's left, which is why it may sound weird. Yeah, but you know, I'm Jewish and I'm thankful for that because we go left to right all the time, baby. Anyways, there will be an entirely arbitrary uh, order in which we go that is dictated entirely by a thing that you can't see. Yep. Which is how all podcasts should be. Yep. Um. So I do want to talk briefly before we jump in, like very, very briefly. 
Um, just to see if did for any of you when you were making your list of fifteen, did you did you follow any rules for yourself? Did you try to uh, did any sort of narrative emerge for you in terms of the movies that came out this decade that you responded to? Was there some kind of like overall theme that like just kind of happened when you made your list? I I followed the um one I I, I imposed a one film per director rule. Okay. Um, so I have. I had some movies by a director I really liked that I could have put multiple, but I decided to choose my favorite. Same with franchises. And I found myself picking both movies that I enjoyed the most, but also that I think to an extent are important. Um, probably like an 80-20 split gotcha. in there. Um, but there were some movies where I was like, in this director's oeuvre or in this franchise history, there may be a movie I enjoyed more, but I think this is the one I want to talk about more and True. has uh, more importance for the decade. So that's kind of where I went. Yeah, that's great. Lauren, what about you? You were talking about that earlier. Um, I took a... I think the approach that I took... Sorry, I just watched all three of you take a drink simultaneously. Yeah, we take a drink every time Lauren speaks. (laughs) (laughs) And it was uh, mildly disconcerting. Um, We are a hive mind. (laughs) um, We love the King's speech. So I knew that, that... Y'all would probably take a more like oh, these are the important movies of the decade. These are like the, the like the craft like uh, or, nah, yeah, no, it's not on my list. The, the craft okay. is not on my list either. That came out in ninety six. <laughs> um, I chose movies based on like staying power with me, mm-hmm. not just movies that I went to see in the theater and thought like this is an important film. This is a great film. I chose tried to choose films not just based on like. Also because I was taking mine like recency bias, um, but I wanted to choose movies that stuck with me in some way, um, just on a gut level. Whether or not I thought that they were movies that would be on other people's lists, because I have many things on my list that I haven't seen on anyone's top of the decade list. Mm-hmm. Um, but just movies that I love, um, and I learned about myself a little bit about movies that I think that y'all know me, and you know that I tend to prefer hopeful movies over mm-hmm. cynical movies. Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting you and I, Ian, as, like, movie-going watchers is that you tend to be a more cynical watcher, and I tend to be a more, like, I respond to hope and warmth and goodness. And, and the I world is that, dark and full of terrors. <laughs> and I, I noticed a majority of my movies are stories about um, the power of radical vulnerability, is kind of how I would say it, of just, like, how the most brave, most powerful thing you can do is to be kind and to love and to make yourself vulnerable to other people around you. Um, Because that is something that I value in life and in my narratives, and I like that reaffirmation of those values. So that's really a through line (coughs) in all the movies that I chose. That's great. Love that. Uh, Cole, what about you? Did any narrative emerge for you? Uh, Not really. I I think more or less probably what Lauren just said. Um, I, it, it's Strong a lot of, yeah, it's a lot of movies. My, my, my list is, I actually noticed when I like was first putting my list together and you know, I kind of just went through like every year I was like, Oh, these were like the movies I liked the most from this year. And it ended up with a lot of movies that like are, um, are very good, but also like maybe I was like inflating my enjoyment or my ranking of them based on like their importance. And I noticed like as mm-hmm. I was refining mm-hmm. the list, those would move down in movies that like I just enjoyed more. And like Lauren said, just stuck with me personally. Mm-hmm. Whether it was like a movie, like there are, there are movies on here where it was like. I have watched them like three times over a four day period before. Mm -hmm. And like, there are also, there's like a couple, there's at least one movie where I just like saw it once 
like I've literally I saw it in theaters and I haven't seen it since then and it just like every time I think about <coughs> it, it just stuck with me enough where Same. I like I, I put it on the list because I I, I enjoyed it that I much. I had a few so. that I tried to, that I had like that where it's been years and I thought like maybe I'm inflating that too much so I went back and revisited it and they were just like really beautiful experiences of just like no I do I love this movie for a reason yeah. and like whether or not it is an objectively best movie it is a movie that I think has something that is worth resonating and worth staying within a cultural consciousness mm-hmm. and within the conversation yeah yeah i only have one movie on my list that i've only seen once mm-hmm. and that's not for any particular reason i just have only i've happened to only have seen it once yeah um but it was like that was enough times for me to know like this is going to be a really special movie in my life mm-hmm. I- i'll say like weirdly <laughs> when i was really looking through i feel like the 2010s was really cool uh the movies of the 2010s were really cool about taking established archetypes and tropes <coughs> and stories that we've seen before and doing something to subvert it. And so a lot of what I found when I was making my list was there's a lot of subversion of like previously established well-worn tropes and well-worn movies. Like I don't have a ton on my list that's kind of like, we've never seen something like this before. Mm-hmm. But I've got a lot of like, we're seeing a different side of it through this movie. Mm-hmm. Um I, I want to add one last thing. I found that uh, I was looking at what years I chose from, and I got a movie from every year except 2011 on my list. Interesting. But the biggest density came from 2014, which is the year after I graduated college. Huh. So it was like, I realized that when I look back on this decade, I think I look back on figuring out what kind of man I am post-college now that I was without a support net. And I think I, the movies I found at that time really affected me because they changed who I was. And in the last three years, I got two from each because I'm finally feeling a little more comfortable with it. Hmm. And I've, I'm finding that I'm kind of, you know, because it's zoning in on who I am. Yeah. So I find that I had a couple from the beginning of the decade when I was in college, but because of that transformation, I really got into it during those times. That's great. Um, also, another thing I noticed when I was making my list, uh, and this is not, I don't, if, if, you know, I don't want to spoil anybody else's list. I don't have any Oscar winners on my list or like any best picture winners. Um, and that surprised me because I do think in the last 10 years, the hmm. Oscars, the Oscars has gotten it right one or two times. Um, but they just know didn't happen to end up in my top 15, which I just think is, I just found to be kind of interesting. I have some yeah. items on my list that I think should have been Oscar winners. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so without further ado, uh, Eric, what's your number 15? Uh, my number 15 is a movie that I've seen once, like Cole was saying. I saw it only in theaters. It affected me intensely in maybe the most powerful way ever in a movie theater, and that's 2014's Interstellar. Uh, Christopher Nolan. Uh, anybody else got it on their list? No. no. I have not Great. seen it. Not on my um, It is just so powerful in terms of storytelling, in terms of world building, in terms of sound. Um, and I think McConaughey has given one of the performances that I remember from that year, and it's one of the only movies I had to like pull over on my way home because I was shaking so much out of just exhilaration and it stuck with me forever that's great interstellar number 15 i i do think like i saw interstellar i don't i don't i didn't really like interstellar that much but like the it is an incredible movie theater experience like i saw it and i was like i wish i'd seen this in imax like sydney and i saw ad astra this year in imax Mm -hmm. and i was like i wish interstellar had like that kind of scratched the itch i was looking for and i saw interstellar but like the sound in that movie is just absolutely incredible i'm glad you pointed out because yeah it's it's just incredible it's an incredible technical achievement yeah yeah Yeah, i I saw it in imax and i like like you were saying it was a really really incredible experience it was it was again kind of like we were talking about with, with avatar it was one where having watched it then on like a normal tv 
mm-hmm. I just found myself drifting. Yep. But I think never try it again. See, yeah. No. Seeing it in a theater, if I had just seen it the one time, like I think it definitely would have like wound up very high on my list. There we go. And uh, our first experience with Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. Oh right. Young Casey. Young Casey Affleck. <laughs> Absolutely. Chalamet. Uh, my number fifteen is I think the uh, for my money the best pure comedy of the decade and that's pop star never stop never stop. <laughs> oh great pick. You just told us this wasn't in your top fifteen. I gotta throw you off the scent, baby. Be fine, baby. Um. I, I knew something was up when we went through your entire 20 through 100 and it wasn't there. I knew it had to be. I, I When I saw this movie in theaters, I was with you, Eric, actually, yep. and I liked <laughs> it a lot. I thought it was very funny, and I didn't really think about it much more past that. Uh, I then got this movie on DVD when it came out. I've revisited this movie so many times. It's one of the most rewatchable movies, and every time I watch it, I laugh so fucking hard. And like not like in my house by myself laughing, like stone sober laughing at this movie. I just think it's a like I think what the Lonely Island does in this is a work of genius, mm-hmm. and I it, it's like eighty minutes long. It's a perfect comedy, and, and the, it's a great song. And the songs are legit. I was great. Li- I was literally playing songs from like we were. Uh, I was in New Orleans for Thanksgiving, and we were driving from Baton Rouge, where my friend lives, to New Orleans, and I was just playing songs from that album because yep. like they're just legitimately good songs. Like great, produce. fuck off, <laughs> like, hum- so humble. You remember like, singing that yesterday? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck um, off is great. Um, humble is great. Mona Lisa's a genius, yeah, like yeah. a genius song, and also kind of true. Um, um, incredible <laughs> thoughts is yeah. maybe the best Michael Bolton song in the last twenty five years. It's so it's just a great comedy. I've like never met somebody who has not enjoyed this movie, and also I've never met someone who has not thought this movie was severely underrated yeah yes it's, it's like hot rod where it's like the same i, I saw it it's, i saw it i was like that's pretty funny and i think every time i watched it, i laughed more. Sandberg. Yeah. Yeah. also underrated bit part from my boy bill Hader. so very funny so, uh, Lauren, what's, what's your 15 um my number 15 is um my only item on the list that is a documentary feature um this is a film that i dragged three people to the theater with me <laughs> on separate occasions after going to see it and that is uh free solo yeah. from Fuck yeah. 2018 um it. which like is at once like an entire like a very personal journey about one human being that is opening himself up to being vulnerable and to being in love and to like putting someone else's needs alongside his own uh in his life choices and is also if you see this movie in theaters one of the most exhilarating experiences of like that that is held up against any mission impossible movie mm-hmm. and it is like one of the most edge of your seat incredible feats of sportsmanship and daring and, and like it's just it's inc- it's an incredible thing to watch it's yeah. i mean it it's like it's like a movie of the the greatest physical feat that has ever been achieved yeah. by anyone yeah. it like i i have a friend who like was like oh i watched free solo on an airplane it was really good i was like you it, i was and like you didn't I, watch free yeah solo. you didn't watch free yeah. solo you if, didn't if watch like it. It was, yeah, there are shots of that that I just, and it's also just like, I can't imagine ever seeing a movie that is harder to make and film than that movie. No, like, and it, it is, is, yeah. it is an incredible, it's like, they even talk about the mechanics of it in the movie yeah. and it is so intense. Well, and the ethics of like filming it, the yeah. fact that filming yeah. it itself is a risk because like merely filming the movie is something that might kill this man. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's just like, it's an incredible thing to watch. I mean, the best way I can describe it is someone else... Um, one of the, uh, the screenings that was at, when it was at a festival, um, like, everyone in the room was, like, sweating, was, yep. like, clinging to their seats, despite the fact that Alex Honnold, the, the man who does this incredible death-defying climb, introduced the film, and yeah. was sitting rows behind them. They know that he made it. 
They know that he didn't die, and it is you know that he is fine. Yeah. And you're still just dying. This past summer, um, I watched it on my TV with head with headphones plugged into my big TV, which is how I suggest you watch it. Uh, if you have that capability. And I would just occasionally pause it and run into the room where Lauren and Ian were watching their thing and being like, guys, this just happened. Because like, I, I needed I like, support. And then I was like, Eric, when he starts the climb, you come get me and I will watch it with yeah. you. Yeah, incredible pick. And yeah. I did. Great pick. Cole, so, yeah. Cole, what's your 15? Uh, my 15 is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, I think it's I think it's my only movie from this year. Um, it's just, I, I was talking to Ian um, earlier. I was talking to Ian and Lauren earlier. I rewatched it on a plane last week, and I like tech as soon as the plane landed, I texted Ian and was like, "I think I've been underrating this movie, even though I loved it when I saw it in theaters." Um, it's just, two, it's a bunch of really great performances, especially you know the two leads with uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. It's the like the least Tarantino Tarantino movie that I've seen. I haven't seen Jackie Brown, but like. Um, and it's I know on Netflix I'm, right now, and it's great. And I know I need to, but like, it, it, like of first, you know, compared to all of his other movies, uh, it's it's like the least Tarantino of his movies I've seen, and it's but it's just so incredible. It's just like I love just like watching it and sinking into it. It's just such like a an atmospheric uh, movie, which is something that like I really enjoy that, and like that's that if any if there is a theme that like will crop up it's like a lot of like a lot of my the movies on my list are just like very immersive mm -hmm. and just make it seem like like the the world that the movie is presenting would be like nice to be experiencing yeah, yeah. i uh this shows up later on my list i could i can't help but agree with you more and i'll tell the little anecdote that put it on my list when it gets yeah to it. i'm gonna dig into that because i i thought about this one we saw it together this summer yeah and i think it is one of those where i liked it a lot but upon rewatch i think i'll love it i just haven't gotten to it yet yeah uh great cole what's your 14 um is that snake or we talked about earlier <laughs> yeah so uh my 14 is kind it's kind of like an amalgamation it's like i think we had a ton of incredible like this decade has been really good for action movies and it's and kind of similar to what you were saying about this decade kind of like taking a lot of established genre tropes and everything and subverting them i think we've had a lot of that and we've also had a lot um in a, in a lot of the movies i'm about to mention uh like movies just taking them and elevating them mm -hmm. so the movie that i picked to represent that is uh mission impossible fallout which is like i've seen it like <laughs> i watched it like three times in the last year i so i randomly saw it it was like it's 24th week in theaters sydney and i were in orlando last year she was there for business i went down to just like meet her <laughs> to enjoy and go, to, go to disney but she was like work she had to like work an extra day she didn't expect to so i just like found a movie theater they had mission impossible playing i went got the largest beer i've ever seen and just watched <laughs> this orlando. movie and i was like I was I didn't know it was like two and a half hours long and I no point was I ever upset with it. It's just absolutely incredible the set pieces. But like in addition to that, just like a, we've we've gotten. I mean that's the third Mission Impossible movie from this decade because a Ghost Protocol and Rogue Nation are both from this decade. Yeah. I think Fallout's the best of those three. Easily. We got the tr the John Wick trilogy, which is absolutely incredible. Um, a bunch of g good Fast and Furious movies that have just speaking of like tropes, they're not on my list they, but it killed me to leave them off I just, I just I just love how much they've like leaned into everything and there's a ton that I'm not even mentioning but um but yeah I, I think Mission Impossible Fallout's my favorite of them it's I, it's one of I in my opinion the most rewatchable movies of the decade uh and it's just super fun yeah I love that movie I have nothing else to add Lauren what's your 14 
Oh, my four, I'm sorry, I was still dancing to the Mission Impossible theme in my head. Um, my number 14 is an animated film and is, in my opinion, uh, more and more has grown, in my opinion, as the potentially best superhero movie of the decade, and that is Into the Spider-Verse. Eric has just raised his hand, letting me know that he will be talking about it later, so I'll be yes. brief. Uh, this movie is a masterpiece of uh, superhero narrative in terms of like making you feel empathy with your main character, and in the design style, in the pacing, in world building, uh, in just innovating the medium and the universe, I think that this movie was very risky and every risk that it took paid off. You're right. Yeah, I love that movie. I have yeah. nothing else to add. It was yeah. in my top 10 at one point. It was in my top 15 up until 40 minutes ago, and I, I agree. I think I have it at, like, number 30 yeah. on my list, but it's, yeah. I mean, even that yeah. seems too low when I say that out loud. Oh, it's coming. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my yeah. <clears throat> uh, my number 14, I don't know if any of you will have on your lists, and that's not a brag. It's truly that I think I'm one of six people that like this movie, um, <laughs> is a movie that came out in 2017 called A Ghost Story uh, by oh. David Lowry. Oh, I remember uh, hearing about this. It's... I don't really know how to describe this movie without making it just sound like a horrible experience. It is a 90 minute long movie that is that mostly features Casey Affleck walking around in a sheet being a ghost. It is mostly silent. It is a Halloween ghost. <laughs> it is unbelievably slow. And uh, it was, I've seen it now three times. Uh, and every time I've watched it, it gets closer and closer to approximating kind of one of the most, uh, spiritual experiences mm. that I can have on film. We, we, Lauren mm. and I got into a long conversation about this the other night. Uh, and I just think it's a movie that just moves me really deeply to my core. And I don't really know how to verbalize why that is. It just, every time I finish watching this movie, I'm like a wreck for the rest mm -hmm. of the day. Um, and it's I, one of those movies that does like, kind of just like kick your knees out from underneath you yeah you've seen it yeah i've seen it yeah yeah it's i just find it to be absolutely wonderful i didn't have the same experience with it that you did but i totally yeah. understand like that kind of poetic nature of it it's like when you read a poem that like describes something that you've always felt but you could never really put words to it yeah and i think it does that in a visual way mm -hmm. um and in, a, in in like a mood that i think i can totally see why it would move someone in that way yeah, yeah. i i just really love it yeah uh, Eric, uh, and the song is really good There's yeah daniel song? yeah daniel hart's um uh score for this movie i think is one of the two best two to three best scores of the decade and the song is called i get overwhelmed i get overwhelmed and it's like it the song from his song. band that's in the movie uh that's yeah, I, it's maybe my most played song of the decade. Who it's knows? great. Uh, uh, Eric, you're 14. Uh, before my 14, I want to give an honorable mention to another uh, Casey Affleck film that affected me a lot that I didn't put on, which is Manchester by the Sea. Um, yeah, as you were talking about Ghost Story, that a lot of that rang for me in that movie. Didn't make mine, but awesome film. Uh, my 14 is, again, to hit on identity as a man who's growing up in the most literal sense possible is 2014's Boyhood. Cool. Um, I watched this movie three times in one week. <laughs> and it's an 18-hour movie. Um, <laughs> I think it's an 18-year-long movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen Boyhood, Richard Linklater did film this over, well, like, like literally 18 years, something yeah, like that. Yeah, it was 10 years. 10 years, uh, with Ethan Hawke and Patricia Arquette and this kid who literally grew up as they were shooting um, to just show this boy's life, and I identified with this kid so much. Even though I'm not a child of divorce, I'm not a child of a lot of stuff he went through, I just felt so invested in this kid's life and just... I think it was a, it was a, it was watching myself grow up in a way that was safe for me as an audience member, um, but also very cathartic. I thought the performances were incredible. 
Ethan Hawke's moment where he trips over a log and tells his son, hey, watch that, is maybe the most naturalistic acting moment I've seen of the decade. It's nothing to literally anyone else, but it's I've thought about it for five years. Improvised line. It, it shows. Yeah. Incredible. So I thought there would be more. That's my, one of uh, that broke my heart when I saw it. I, uh, yeah. yeah, that's, it's not on my list, but all of the Ethan Hawke stuff in that movie, like, kills me. Like, I, that movie literally, like, I, the movie ended and I texted my dad mm-hmm. saying, yes. like, I love you. Like, yep. I appreciate everything you've ever done for me. Rewatching it with your dad is a, is a hard experience, which I did, and it was heartbreaking. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, so then what's your, what's your 13? My 13, um, is what I think is maybe the best comedy of the decade. I'm looking to make sure I don't have any other ones higher. Uh, what I think is the best comedy of the decade and kind of single-handedly created my sense of humor coming out of college. And that's 2012's 21 Jump Street. Fuck yeah. Um, <laughs> what, yes. That's an honorable mention for me. I, oh my god, I love this movie. It's I not on my list, but man, it broke my heart I to leave it I almost put 22 Jump Street on I, my list. Either are, I, a lot, are, either are great. You know what? They're my, both a great my, the, the guy in, at my uh, work, and people at my job think my last name is Goff, G-O-F-F, mm-hmm. and people think it's Jeff, G-E-O-F-F, <laughs> all the time. That never happened to me in, uh, until I moved up here. Mm-hmm. It happens to me all the time at work. The guy that is in the office next to me every day calls me Jeff and every time I think of the my name is Jeff, Jeff. I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> Street. Yeah. Me, I think daily about the about the like he fucked the captain's daughter bit in the second one <laughs> the captain's Channing, daughter. Channing Tatum just fucking running around that office is probably the funniest I've ever laughed in a movie the, this <laughs> like movie this and, and I will count them as 21 and 22 yeah um, but you, I mean you gotta watch 21 first but this series single-handedly transformed Channing Tatum in my mind to a fucking ride or die. Like, mm-hmm. he is such a brilliant comedic genius in this movie, and so is Jonah Hill, and so is literally everyone, mm-hmm. because I think it is the perfect balance of leaning into a joke while still doing a good, funny, action-buddy movie, and, like, allowing yourself to make fun of the nostalgia while still respecting it. Like, in in a decade that was all about reboots, and was all about... All these different things. I think 21 Jump Street nails the balance perfectly. The comedy is hilarious. The script is airtight. Lord Miller directed it perfectly. Uh, I will watch this anytime, any day. And I think very similarly to what Lord and and, uh, Rodney Ronstein do in in Into the Spider-Verse, they never sacrifice the story for a joke. Yes, exactly. The story is still always front and center. Like... The, the emotional beats and the genre beats of 21 and 22 Jump Street mm-hmm. are still so there. And you get some versions of it, but it never it never has them there to make fun of them. It's like always going to be there. And if it is going to make fun of it, then that is going to come back later and serve the story. Like yeah. Jillian Bell's character in 22 Jump Street. Like, yeah. It's, I, I just think they're really impeccably made movies. And like in 21, where like at the end of the movie, he shoots Rob Riggle's dick off. It's like this joyous, triumphant music, but it's still this, he has to grab his own dick with his mouth, but you're like, he remembered the Miranda rights. Like, yeah. it's, it's a great balance. That's so, great. 29 Jump Street, uh, number 13. My number 13 was introduced to me uh, less than a month ago and was told to me uh, years ago, and I just didn't watch it until a while ago, and I feel like Cole's going to have it on his list, and it's Park Chan Wook's The Handmaiden. It is on my list. Yep. <laughs> oh... My God, I cannot say more. Like, I turned this movie on in the afternoon uh, just to be like, I'm, I'll watch it, whatever. I'm going to watch it at home. I'll see what happens. Uh, I, I mean, I was going to take a nap. Like, that was like my whole plan for the day. I was like, I'm going to take a nap and I'll watch, watch a bit of The Handmaiden. I stayed up, eyes glued to the screen watching this movie for the 145-minute runtime. And was just blown away. I rewatched it again like a week ago. 
I think it is the most lush, beautiful, one of, at least one of, like, the top two most beautiful looking movies that has come out this decade. The cinematography is so gorgeous. I'm going to leave the rest to, for Cole to talk about, but the way that this movie, it really is like a Rubik's Cube of a film. Mm-hmm. And the way that it unfolds is masterful, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lauren, what's your 13? Um, I know that we're supposed to keep this brief, but I just got to gush for a second about this film. Um, because I don't think any of you will have on, have it on your list, and I just love it so much. Um, so I think a trend that has happened in the 2010s, especially in the latter part, is kind of these movies that are, um, I think, to varying degrees of success, um, trying to kind of monetize feminism in a certain way, of, like, trying to, like, find the next movie that's going to be a hit for, like, the feminist movement. And so you see a lot of, like, the Ghostbusters movies and the new Oceans movie that are, like, the all-female versions of something. Yeah. And, uh, for me, the one that made me feel the most and made me feel that moment of, like, oh, fuck, this is what men feel like all the time, um, is a film called Hustlers that came out this year. Hell yeah. Um, I can't wait to see that. That I, I truly am just like, oh, fuck, this is like a, a gangster movie, like a Scorsese movie, like, for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, like, I, th- uh, God, it's just so fucking good, guys. I think about this movie on, like, on a daily basis. I think about Jennifer Lopez's performance in this movie. I think about the sequence set to Love in This Club, daily i think about like the entire i think about the sequence set to criminal by fiona apple oh my god which is incredible which is just like i mean i think that jennifer lopez's character in this film is an iconic performance an iconic character like and the i i can't even tell you how emotional it made me just watching entire stretches of this movie that are just entirely populated by an ensemble of different women that just have like different complex relationships with each other filled with warmth and rivalry and like just like complexity that I don't think that you see very often and it's not there just to be flashy and to be like see ladies you're here like it is it cares about these women and part of that is because it's directed by a woman Lorene Scafaria is does a fantastic job in this film and there's an entire sequence uh at Christmas at towards the end of the film where they do like a group Christmas that is really about like the found family of this gang have like at their high point. That is one of my favorite sequences in a film that I've ever watched. And just, I remember sitting in the theater with a huge grin on my face, feeling like nothing could stop me. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that's why hustlers is, is one of my favorite movies. Of the <clears throat> yeah. Awesome. I think it's great. It's on my one through a hundred list. It's, it's I, I think it's really great. It's a, it's at the very least one of the best movies of the year. Yeah. Um, uh, great. Cole, what's your 13? Um, my number 13 is Call Me By Your Name. Uh, nice. As I said earlier, like a lot of this movie, it's just like I saw it in theaters with Sydney. Um, like I'd heard a lot of buzz about it, didn't really know much about it, but went and saw it. And I just, as, as we already mentioned him once earlier for Interstellar, but Timothy Chalamet like tore my fucking heart in to yeah. and that movie he is so good and like oh i mean all the performances are great that credit sequence is one the, of the, the best acting well, performances like I've I, seen. once again like <laughs> earlier like i said like the with the ethan hawk stuff but like all dad stuff just gets me so the yep, scene with, uh after um uh after uh army hammer leaves and it's just elio and michael stuhlbarg on the couch oh. i'm just mixing actor and character names yep. now but who cares but uh that that scene just that like just punched me in the gut i was 
like I was crying in the theater. We after Sydney and I saw it like a week later. Me, uh, the two of us, and then Ian and Lauren went and saw it again. We like had a date and went and saw it. I think it. we all just had a day where we were like, "Do we want to just go to the movie theater and cry as a group?" And that's uh, exactly what we did. I, and I just yeah, it's I think it's, uh, it's just a beautiful movie uh, that I really loved. It's I it's uh, not even my highest rated movie from that year on that lit on this list, but I think it's my favorite movie from that year. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Um, I just yeah I just. Uh, I really loved it, I and it's. I think it's like with, uh, with e, like Ian said with the Handmaiden, and it's something that I will also talk about with the Handmaiden. I just think it's very like it's just it's just very lush. It just, I mean, but it's like it's easy. Like there, it's like filming in the Italian countryside. Like everything, mm-hmm. it just makes you want to be there. Yeah, um, everyone is beautiful. Everything is beautiful. Like yeah, <clears throat> I think there's something like I also really love the the message of that movie, which is when it comes down to it, this beautiful speech at the end is about. Like, it is so easy to think, like, I'm going to cut myself off from this pain that I'm feeling because this thing is gone. Mm-hmm. But by doing that, you cut yourself off from the ability to ever feel the good part of it again. Yeah. And, like, so ultimately, like, let yourself feel pain because that means that you can feel happiness again. Mm-hmm. And, like, I think there's something so incredibly, immortally beautiful yeah. about that. And the way that Timothy Chalamet literally, like, repeatedly climbs Army Hammer like a tree. <laughs> like, in, in, in the best way of it being, like, unbridled passion we use that word unbridled so much and i think people use it cheaply in this movie you see like he just needs to be like on him around him like through him like it, it is such yeah. a visceral kind of love it's and what, i think it's what, like being in like that movie i think to me what i love about it is that, like that movie shows me what being in love for the first time mm-hmm. felt like yeah tangibly yeah, I'm yeah. Like, that's, that's what it is yeah that's it what really it, feels like. it translates that really well um i think the xiaomi performance is one of my top 10 performances of anything in the last uh decade i re- i really loved it um and army hammer is just beautiful uh he's he's also a great movie before that the only thing i'd really seen him in was uh the social network um mm-hmm. but yeah I, I just i really love the movie yep it's great awesome cool and also also joking about its similarities to lee's mcguire movie is what made this podcast start. that's so, so right yeah. so this podcast doesn't happen without call me by your it name it really doesn't the yeah. lost episode, <laughs> the lost episode. hey now um hey now. so number my number 12 is like i said before with the action movies i also think it's been a really good decade for horror movies Fuck i've yeah. always been um like a fan of horror movies uh there was like in the um uh, and in the in the last decade, we've got a lot. And my favorite of the bunch is uh, the witch. Mm. Uh, Fuck yes. So and I rewatched it a few weeks ago with Sydney. We watched it for the first time a couple years ago. I remember. Uh, the, I think the first time we ever went to see a, a movie at the Landmark here, it was the first trailer I saw, and I was just like. I had never really seen a trailer like it before. It made me really want to see the movie, and then I didn't catch the theater in the movie. I didn't realize when the movie came out in theaters, mm-hmm. so I didn't catch it. But Sydney and I watched it a few Halloweens ago. It just it's it's everything I love in horror movies. It's it's not even really like there are a lot of movies that came out this decade that are scarier, like Hereditary. I think is a, mm-hmm. is more of a horror movie. Uh, but but just The Witch is so good at making you. It just ratchets up the tension at such a good pace. It makes you second guess everything um just like the it is it but you, you but you're also like never really doubting anything because it lays out from the beginning what happened and but like you're still just like i was just glued to my seat terrified 
the first time I saw it and just like in the second time I was just noticing so much more and just in awe of it. I think it's a great movie. I think it's, once again, it's just an incredibly atmospheric movie and that is one of the things you just feel so isolated watching it. Um, but yeah, I think uh, everyone should see it. It's, I think it's a pretty divisive movie. Like I have a friend, I have a yeah. friend that watched it a couple weeks ago. Uh, he, uh, him and his girlfriend hated it. Uh, if I looked it up on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got like a 95% critic score and like a 52% audience score. It's very divisive mm -hmm. among like, um, among people, but uh, I think it's absolutely masterful. Uh, but yeah, I love the, witch, the witch. The witch is number twenty three on my list. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's, I'm, I'm glad. It. I'm glad it's that high. I think I think it's an absolute masterpiece. Yeah, uh, and it's uh, his first movie. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Fuck him, right? Uh, and his second movie is like number thirty eight on my list. <laughs> uh, Lauren, what's your number twelve? Um, on the topic of horror films, um, I one thing I also love are horror comedies, and um, especially specifically the social commentary, like kind of folded into that. I loved Ready or Not this year, um, also, but I think the movie that I want on my list, and I promise I will get to movies in the first half of the decade when we get closer to my number one, um, but I, my pick is a movie from 2017 that I think we're going to look back on and say, why the fuck didn't this win Best Picture? Yeah. Uh, and that's Get Out. Yeah, that's, um, that's my next pick. Yeah, that's so, my, my number 11. So. Yeah, it's on my yeah. list later on as well. Yeah, so Cole and I can both kind of take this one, but I think like it's it's crazy that it didn't win Best Picture. I still remember seeing this at the New 400 in Chicago, and it's to this day one of my mm. favorite uh, like in-a-theater communal experiences yeah. was watching Get Out the, the weekend it came out. Yeah. Um, it is it is absolutely a movie to share with people. Mm -hmm. I've I've watched the movie at least like six or seven times is in the last couple months. Like I've introduced this movie to people. Yeah. My dad was visiting me in town one time and I was like and he didn't know what to do while I was at work during the day and I was like, Go see this movie and my dad texted me immediately afterwards a sequence of like ten texts freaking out about it. My mom hates horror films. My mother has watched Get Out like six times. She it's, loves yeah. this movie. It's an incredible yeah. movie. Oh. It's a star making performance for Daniel Kaluuya. Yep. Who deserves it, who I had seen <clears throat> on like uh, on some British T V show. He's on Black like, Mirror. Mirror. He was yeah. on Black Mirror, but he was also on um he was on this show called The Fades. Which is where he played, it was like a sci-fi horror show where he played like the best friend. And I remember being like, that kid's a fucking star. And so when yeah. he showed up and Get Out, I felt so vindicated so that good. people loved him. It's also, I mean, like to, to I will get to, I, I have it later, coming up later on. But like really, like what an amazing like marking of a new presence in cinema, like with Jordan Peele's first movie. Yeah. To be like, to see like this sketch comedian who we had seen for like for 10 years between mm -hmm. Mad TV and then the Key and Peele show, being like, I'm gonna make a horror movie that's like a social commentary horror film. We're like, Haha, okay, whatever. This is gonna be silly, and for it to be like not only like one of the most insightful movies of the decade, but also one of the most economically made movies of the decade. Like everything in that movie is important and comes back. Yeah, like it is such a well made, well thought out film. There's no fat on it. There's no fat on it. It's a great movie. Yeah, it comes up later on my list, but yeah. that's my... I, d I just think it's wild that the guy that uh, came up with all the names for the East and West Bowl and <laughs> and, Jordan, and, uh, the Key and, and Key and Peele also, also the wrote... And the Gremlins! Also wrote, and yeah, and the he's, the punch up, he's the Hollywood punch-up guy for uh, Gremlins 2, and he also <laughs> he also wrote and directed the uh, sunken place scene between Catherine Keener and Daniel Kaluuya, which is one of the best scenes of the decade. Yeah. It's that movie, it's it's an incredible movie. It's like, like Lauren said, it's the, it's, uh, it's it's like 1A and 1B with seeing Dark Knight on opening mm -hmm. night at midnight yeah. in a packed theater was seeing Get Out uh, in a packed theater like uh, the second weekend it was out. The <clears> theater <throat> was still completely full. Yeah. Uh, it was just 
you know, it's it's one it's tied for first place with the best movie going experience I've ever had. Yeah, I love it. Right, so Ian, you're twelve. My twelve is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, Cole already talked about it. the The thing that pushed this movie over the edge. I loved this movie when I when we saw it over the summer. I still I've not seen Marriage Story yet, so uh, forgive me. I am still 120 percent on like chugga chugga choo choo on board. Leo deserves a second Oscar. Rick Dalton is maybe my favorite Tarantino character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love him so much. Um, but yeah, the thing, that, the thing that pushed this movie over the edge for me was I was back home over the summer, uh, visiting my dad for a week, and I just went to the movies. And I was like, I'm gonna go knock out. Uh, I, I needed to go see The Farewell before it left theaters. Loved The Farewell. We'll get to more of that on the best movies of the year deck uh, episode. But I went with a bottle, an Aquafina bottle full of gin and tonic, and I spent my afternoon getting really drunk in a movie theater watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and it was the fucking best time ever. Like, That's your peak. It was like hanging out, it really felt like I was hanging out with my best friends for two and a half yep. hours. And your really hot best friends. My really hot best friends. Uh, and yeah, like you said, Cole, it's like, it's just such a good hang. I can't get over what a good hang this movie is. It's a world I want to live in. Like, it's a world that I want to go back to over and over again. I'm glad it's out on digital. I can't wait till I can buy the Blu-ray and just rewatch it. Um, yeah, and I think I feel like I feel like I didn't talk enough about how good Leonardo DiCaprio is in this movie. Like, yeah. just like three scenes to bring up. Like the scene after when they're like getting in the car after the meeting with Pacino, when yeah. he's just like mad about Schwarz. feeling washed up. <laughs> yeah, he's like that's just like going going from his like, interaction where he's just trying to be charming and then just being pissed off and feeling like he's washed up. The scene uh, in the trailer where he's like feels like he's messing up and he's like they're gonna think he's like I'm never, I'm never gonna drink again and he's like start he's like like all I, that's you're gonna I will fucking kill you <laughs> that and then like obviously like there and there's like a million other scenes he's and he knocks it out of the park in yeah. the entire movie it's just like I, it's like he's been with us for so long that you can just kind of be like maybe he's like overrated or like rated as he, like maybe he's not that good and then he like has a performance like this and it's like. No, he's like what he's like one of the best working one of the best actors of the last twenty years. Like yep. possibly the best actor that has started working in the last two decades. Leo's three yep. best performances have happened this year alone, and none of them were the ones he won the Oscar for. This year or this uh, decade. This decade, yeah. That's yep. Uh, yeah, no, I, I that, that yeah, I, I would agree with that. I'd agree. Yeah. He, yeah. Uh, great, Eric. What's your uh, what's your twelve? Um, my number twelve. I'm base. I'm not going to talk about because I guarantee you it's coming up later because it's a uh, 2017's Paddington Two. Yep. It's coming up later. Yeah, Great. So I'll go later. to my number 11. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, we'll talk about it later. Uh, in detail. It deserves more time. Uh, it, it's, it's fucking awesome. It's a masterpiece. <laughs> uh, which we will get to in the top 10. Um, number 11 for me is one that yes, you guys might have. It's a, a movie that maybe hit me emotionally the most last year. Uh, which I didn't expect. It's 2018's Minding the Gap. Wow. It's coming up later. Okay. Great. Right, this so, this is like my number sixteen. Yeah. So it I'm gonna me to not leave to not put this on. So this is I don't watch documentaries really. Um, I not for any reason. I just don't think about them. I don't see trailers for them in movies, so therefore they don't hit my mind a lot. Um, but last year, um, every person on this podcast that's ever been on said, "Hey, this is amazing. You should watch it, Eric." I'm like, oh, "Okay, I'll get to it." No, I don't really watch it. Okay, okay, fine. So one day I was at work and I had time, so I pulled up my iPad in the lunchroom. I'm like, "All right, fine. It's on Hulu." That was the worst decision I've ever made because I broke down in the workplace and then came home and like watched it, parts of it again that uh, um, uh, 
this year is, is one of my top listened to songs of the entire year because of that movie of last year by the Mountain Goats. Um, oh, yeah. It is a documentary about these friends um, that are, involves skateboarding, involves friendship, involves domestic abuse, a lot of things. But it is such a movie about people that lived kind of in the place where I used to live. Not the same city, but the same kind of city. I knew these guys growing up. I had friendships like this. I knew guys that didn't get out. Like, And it is such a, a loving yet honest look at people that we all grow up with and people that we can become. And I think that it is a transformative movie by this guy who had the, the, the foresight to film his friends as a teenager yeah. and say, I think this story needs to be told. I don't know where it's going to end up. I don't know how my friends are going to go. I don't know if they're going to survive. I don't know how my own relationship with my mother is going to survive this. I don't this. know if my friends are good people. Too. Right. Yeah. Like, Which is, that, I think, a hard... really brutal, brutal moment. It's such a hard yeah. reality to face. And he didn't shy away from it. He was like... He, yes. like, he asked hard questions of yep. his friends. They gave him... And also, like... Uh, <clears throat> Um, I they pronounce it like five different ways in the movie, so I'm always afraid I'm gonna mispronounce. It. But if if like if you can watch this movie and not think Kier is like the most or Ke- is it Kier? Kier. 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 It's he is the most endearing oh. person that was on a movie screen in the last decade. It's like the only time I've ever thought, wow, Facebook can be used for good. Yeah, it's yes. like his epilogue at the end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I know Cole, it's it's a later for you. So we already talked about it more than I thought, but it is a, a transcendent. Documentary and my number 11. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so before when we thought this podcast was going to be just the top 10, I also adhered to the one director rule. Uh, but I'm not going to lie. But fuck it. I have the same director on here twice uh, on my list and this is the first appearance of him. Uh, my number 11 is 2017's Phantom Thread. You yeah. bitch said it was. Hey, um, guess who else's number 11 it is? Fuck yeah! Yeah! <laughs> you can keep dating! Kiss me, darling, before I'm sick again. Yeah! <laughs> yeah. I, I thought Cole was just doing a lap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think this is one of the funniest fucking movies I've ever seen. Uh, and I remember seeing this... I, first of all, I'm a huge Paul Thomas Anderson fan. Um... I think he is probably the director that I get the most excited for when they announce a film. He came out with three movies this decade, um, The Master, Inherent Vice, and Phantom Thread. I think all three of them are masterpieces in their own way. Um, But this is a movie that I think is very easy to mislabel by being a like, oh, it's another great man slash abusing his muse story. And really, it is a movie that is turning relationship Such dynamics on their head. If you want to tag team genius, this. Such a genius, genius bait and switch that this movie yeah, pulls. Yeah, Vicky Creeps, who plays Alma in the movie, Got gave, robbed of an Oscar gave one of my favorite performances of 2017. Of I think, the decade. I think she's honestly impeccable. She goes toe-to-toe with Daniel Day-Lewis in every respect. To where like the movie ends, and I'm talking just about Vicky Creeps and Anne Dowd, and then... And then it's like, oh yeah, and Daniel Day Lewis. Yeah, also one of the best performances ever. Yeah, I don't. Reynolds Woodcock is in this film. I don't know if I've ever seen a movie with Daniel Day Lewis and like come out of it and been like, oh, he was like head and shoulders above everyone else that was in that movie. Like even like in There Will Be Blood, it's like he he just like stand he just towers above everyone. And um, but yeah, he the he's like the 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 three most prominent actors in that movie. They all feel like they're toe to toe, like Mm -hmm. on level playing field. It's three incredible performances. It is also, yeah. it is, this is my favorite score of the decade. Mm-hmm. I've oh, gone back and listened beautiful. to Johnny Greenwood's score for this movie multiple times. 
We'll get um, to my favorite score of the decade. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know what it's going to be. Oh, yeah. Um, but, which is my second favorite. Um, but I genuinely, I saw this movie four times in theaters. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it is also incredibly lush, incredibly beautiful. And just, yeah, I think what it does, what the kind of movie that it presents itself as and the kind of movie that it is, is actually so much more subversive and cheeky and mischievous than than any movie that looks like this and, and sounds like this. And, and sexy. sexy. Yeah, I think for, for me, this this movie is so important because everything you guys have said is correct. It is a tr- tremendous. I have, I was not a huge Paul Thomas Anderson aficionado, not even a fan. Like, I hadn't seen much of his work before I saw this movie. And I was blown away by it. And I think it is a textbook example of, no, just see the movie. Yeah. Because all the discourse about this, if, if it was negative, mm-hmm. was pre-movie. Mm-hmm. And was assumptions about a movie that didn't exist. And I think this was a nice turning point in, when the, the, movie in the discourse. Actually and weak doing... Jennifer Lawrence takes. <laughs> yes, it's like, just see the movie mm-hmm. and then talk about it. And it, uh, yeah, you're right. It's yeah. The phenomenal. movie does the exact opposite of what you think it's going to do. And it is pretty yep. fucking incredible. Um, I went into this movie with no expectations whatsoever. I dragged Lauren to this You movie. did not drag me to this movie. I it was physical. I saw it. I did not know anything about the movie. Everyone outside of the music box was concerned. Alex went out and did not drag me to this movie. I was very interested in seeing this movie. I just had no pre-existing relationship with the director, and I had no expectations for the film. So I went in not with a huge, huge level of enthusiasm for it, just because I didn't have that, like, hype within me, which I think was the best way to experience the film because I, I went into it completely cold, was surprised at dozens of turns, like mm-hmm. at multiple points Ian told me to be quiet in the theater because I was vocally responding to it. It's one of the few times Ian has ever shushed me in a movie theater three times he shushed me <laughs> She was about movie. to miss really valuable information and amazing lines. Because I was freaking out! I was going on a journey from beginning to end. It was romantic. I turned to Lauren sexy. in the middle of the movie. I said, are you here to ruin my day and possibly my entire life? <laughs> one of the best lines of the decade. Um, it's, it's a masterpiece. Like it's And it's like, everything looks beautiful. Yeah. The, the dresses are gorgeous. Ooh. And like, I love what this movie says. I don't want to say anything more because if by any chance you have not seen this movie and you're listening to this, you deserve to go into it cold and have the same journey that I did. Because yep. it's the it's the, the the best thing that I can wish for you on your travels yeah. is that you don't know anything about this film. There yeah. we go. It's great. Uh, that's your 11, Lauren. Then, that's uh, my 11. Cole, what's your 11? I, I hate to be that guy, but I accidentally started on my 14. Oh, <laughs> oh my fucking God. God. But, but my 15 is Spider-Verse. We, we talked about it. I... <laughs> God. I think I think fifth I think Spider Verse was an incredible movie. Uh, I won't talk about that. But anyway, my uh, Can you just tell us my know? eleven was The Witch. Ten is Get Out. We talked about Get Out a lot, so I'm just gonna re- I'm gonna return the time to the podcast <laughs> right, and right. continue. The All right, Lauren, <laughs> what's your number ten? My number ten is the movie that has my favorite score of the decade. Um, it is <laughs> um, my, one of my favorite franchises of the decade. It is an animated series called How to Train Your Dragon. Oh, yeah. Um, Which one? The first one. Yeah. How to Train Your Dragon That's 1 the right choice. is my number 10 movie of the decade. I don't even really have words for how much I adore this series. I will start crying. Um, I, just like I did like profusely 
at, when I saw the third one. Um, oh yeah, I sat next to you. Yeah, no, Eric <coughs> Eric and I went on a friend date to see this film and uh, cried on each other the entire time. It was um, beautiful. The first movie, I it was another movie that I went into with no expectations. I didn't like the trailer. I wasn't super fond of the premise. My mom and I went to see the first movie um, on just like a, a weekend day, kind of. We had nothing else to do. The same way that I would see Stardust, where it's just kind of no expectations. We went in and we both were just completely swept away by this story. I think this story has so much humor and heart. And I mean, I love Hiccup and I love Toothless and I love Astrid. I love everyone in in this series because the, the story itself has so much warmth for them. Mm-hmm. And I think it is, te- it is one of those kids movies, like quote unquote kids movies, that does not treat kids like idiots. Yes. Um, I think Competence. It treat, it That's treats, a theme coming up for me later as well. It treats kids as capable of understanding big ideas if you tell it to them in the right way. And it is it, it w- operates on so many different levels. I think it is visually beautiful. I think the scene with the with the best theme, in my opinion, of the decade, the, the first kind of flying sequence that Hiccup and Toothless have, where he first kind of rides the dragon, and it's just like this like test drive basically and they finally work together is just beautiful and it's this beautiful story about not going with your first expectations of, of people or animals it is about it is about believing that animals and humans should coexist it's about not taking your first view of someone correctly it's about prejudice it's about opening it's about not having closed borders i think in a yeah. really interesting way yeah um and it's and at its core it's about friendship and it's about love and I don't think there's anything that I like seeing more in movies than affirmations of the power of friendship. So I love it. It's the relationship that Jon Snow and Ghost should have had. Yeah. It's um, yeah, I love that movie it's as a well. Beautiful, beautiful movie. Um, I've watched it literally a dozen times. My number yeah. 10 we're going to talk about later on, and it's Paddington too. So I'm going to go to Eric. What's your number 10? I wonder um, who could talk about it. My number 10 is one of the movies that I said I could pick one out of this group. Um. <laughs> <laughs> My brain no. is just shuffling through franchises. What, um, what could it be? What number it be? 10 is Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Wow! Oh. So I... <laughs> so I struggled with... What, oh, what, Siri. So Star Wars is, is one of the most important things in my life. Um, You're wearing, although, right now, just for reference, he's wearing a Mandalorian t-shirt that he had before the show ever came out. <laughs> and a Rebels... No! Exactly. I, you were probably... No, you weren't wearing Star Wars shoes anyway. I, I wore my, my Clone Wars jacket. Um, But... Star Wars is one of the most important things in my life above most family members. So I was thinking... Hashtag the Living Force pod. Bam! Thank you, buddy. Um, So I was like, one of these movies I gotta pick. And I I think that for me, uh, The Force Awakens in 2015 was the most fun I had. Uh, The Last Jedi, I think, is the best made film. Rogue One I picked for this list because I think without it, Star Wars ends this month. Um, This month, we get The Rise of Skywalker, the end of the saga films. And if Rogue One had not come along and been made in the way that it is, I don't think Star Wars continues in the Disney Plus. I don't think there are additional saga film or additional movie series being like considered. Because I think that Rogue One kind of showed that you can have reverence for a thing, but also feel free to expand. This is a cast of characters that was made up of heroes with not a single white dude. It is a cast of characters made up of people who we didn't know before the movie and who, spoiler, died at the end of the movie so that we don't have to have a sequel. It is the best space combat in the history of the Star Wars franchise, period. The last hour is is perfect it's gorgeous. action. Um, it's really beautiful. Yeah, and I think that it surprised so many people when it came out. 
um, that were worried that it was going to be just a mindless cash grab, nothing story based on the opening crawl of episode four. Um, and it was made with such care and love. And there were so many stories about reshoots and about behind the scenes things. And I think what that did is, is proved that, Hey, post-production happens. And if you have to edit some things in a movie, guess what? It's a movie. That's what you have to do sometimes. Don't freak out. It's going to be okay. And for all of that, I got to say, it is one of the movies that when I saw it, I walked out being like, okay. Mm -hmm. I gave it like a solid B when I saw it. Every single time I've seen it, it has risen in my Star Wars rankings. It is the one that with without fail gets better every single time I watch it. Um, more than any other Star Wars movie. So I I love what this movie did for the franchise that I love. I love what it what it did for the movie going community. I love that it you know all the actors that were in it love it so much and had such a great time. And I cannot wait to get some. Uh, Cassie and Andor in my life with the Disney Plus series next yeah. summer. Yeah. And I got Alan Tudyk in Star Wars. Come on. I'm, I'm honestly surprised that Star Wars is so low on your list. I know. I'm, I'm That shows how good the other ones I'm are. I'm genuinely really excited to see what 9 through 1 are. Yeah. I mean, that's great. I, I Yeah. That's awesome. It's crazy. Um, We're on number... So number 9. Number 9. Yeah, what's your number 9? Uh, so my number 9 surprise, it's another franchise movie. Fuck yeah. Um, and it is a movie that I think could have been horrible... And had all the pressure in the world on it, and it stuck it, and it's Avengers Endgame. Nice. Um, I think that... This is also in my uh, best of the 100 best of the decade yeah. list. I think that Endgame shouldn't have worked. Just straight up. It should have been too much. It should have been too hard. It should have sacrificed emotion for action and Easter eggs, but it was quiet when it needed to be. It... It was the biggest reward, I think. I mean, we did an entire podcast on Endgame earlier when it came out. You can feel free to go listen to that in the podcast feed. It was a lot of fun. We literally recorded it the second we got back from the theater. Um, but everything we said about it still holds true for me on rewatch. Like, it ends a 20-plus film saga, which has never been done before. And for that, I and think... And a saga that's really defined this decade yes. of movies. Yes. And I think that it deserves all the reward again... I don't think we will ever see a movie of its like again, We of, of that level of event, because now it's been done, and we can have people do similar things, but we will never see that kind of risk, and that kind of payoff, and that kind of spectacle on that level again in our life. I think it's going to be an event where, like, you're going to, like, ten years from now, like, if you have kids, you're going to be telling them about how, like, you saw it in theaters. Yep, yeah, it's I gonna agree. It's like when people say, like, oh, I saw the original Star Wars in theaters, I think, yeah. like, people are going to be talking about, like, Oh, I saw Endgame in theaters. Yeah. It's like it was just a cultural moment. That day was a huge day. Yeah. Like yeah. I saw Iron Man when I was in high school and then mm -hmm. I saw Endgame as a fully formed adult. And like yeah. I these characters carried me and us through the most transformative years of our lives mm -hmm. and then we ended as people. And yeah. we got to see these journeys I mean, end on the on film. It's a lucky like time timing-wise of our generation that we got to like have that experience with that after we had the experience with Harry Potter that we had. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, like, we grew up with Harry Potter, yep. and then we had the Marvel movies to kind of take us through adulthood, like yeah. this early adulthood. We're very lucky. Uh, so in that way, we're really lucky. We're not, our generation isn't lucky in, uh, you know, most ways. Right. But, um, <laughs> but I think in that regard, we're, we're yeah. happy. We'll fun. never own homes. Yeah. But, <laughs> but, oh, man, yeah. we got fucking Avengers forever. But, and, and to go off, what, last thing I want to say about it, uh, Cole, you mentioned, you know, Get Out was such an incredible experience. We all, and you all said, like, that was such a thing. To be, spoilers for Endgame, um, to be in a movie theater on opening night, yeah. filled with hundreds of people, 
when Cap gabbed that hammer. Yeah, yeah. with was literally the, 15 of our was, own friends. The loudest I have screamed in my entire life. I don't think you can spoil something that's been an Instagram ad. That's like, true. Like, I... They I, released that, like, three days after like, the movie we came were, out. We were... And, and the thing is, like... It was a roar that went up in You theater. People stood. I was high-fiving strangers. It was like the fucking Super Bowl. It like, really was. It was, it was incredible. It was, one the, it was one of the best moments I've ever experienced. You're just like, And having, like... It was the <sighs> best time to, like... We, we had a row to ourselves. Yeah. Our entire friend group, like, it was totally worth organizing everyone's schedules yeah. to make sure that, like, everyone I know in Chicago was there. Cole's cool. a big Scrooge and he didn't come with us. Yeah. But I can't do, I will never see a movie of Midnight. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't do it. So, I haven't done it since Dark Knight. I'll never do it again. I'm so, sorry. I'll, I'll no, you anything. don't have to go to Midnight anymore. We saw it at, like, 6.15. That's true. Yeah, yeah, so all this being said, I will combine the euphoria of, of these two picks on the night of December 19th at 6 p.m. at the Cinemark Evanston XD when I go with you jokers to see episode 9. Once and again, I, will I won't die. be there. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why number 9, Avengers Endgame. We'll, we'll go uh, see it at 7 in the morning the next day. Yeah, like, to, to piggyback on what you were saying, I one of the big things that I just fucking love, and I think it's, I, it's part of what I respond to a lot of my list. It's why I love movies like Popstar so much. Uh, and 21 Jump Street, it's movies that know what they are and just want to be the best version of that thing. Yes. That are not trying to be like, like, we're going to make a movie about Freddie Mercury, but we're also going to try and win like six Oscars. It's like, and that's what Endgame does to a T. But it's also like, we're going to make the worst edited movie of the year than <coughs> editing Oscar. That's going to not still very well, Sorry, we'll talk, about so, yeah. that, we'll talk about that later on my list. Fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what if? Oh, Mr. Robot, my favorite superhero. Um, yeah, no, but I remember but, the time we talk about it, Chapter Two, yeah. and Cole's brain just explodes. <laughs> I'll walk out. <laughs> <laughs> no one will ever find out what my top five are if, if it Chapter Two ends up on something. You know what? I could approximate it. Cole's number five, Green Book. Cole's number four, The Artist. Cole's number three. Where's it the king speech? Two. You'll never find out if it Chapter Two is brought up. <laughs> it's number one. <laughs> oh fuck that movie! Anyway, no, but hey! I no, I no, it's fine. Um, I think Avengers. Talk about Bill, Bill like that. Oh no, I was talking about the King's, King's speech. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh no. yeah, fuck the King's speech. But Avengers Endgame is truly, in terms of a movie that's like we are just concerned about fan service. We just want to give these fans a movie that they're gonna love. Like they succeeded. Uh, and I, I, I give that movie tons of tons of credit yeah. for that. Like it, it was the best possible version of what it could have exactly, been. Exactly, the yeah. best possible the version of that so kind well. of yeah. movie. And the last thing I want to say about these two, and then we'll get to your number nine, Ian, about Rogue One and Endgame kind of being the the, the starts of my like big like now now we're in the ten to ones like we're gonna we can expand we are on in the Endgame. Yes, I mean exactly. it took us an hour to get from fifteen to ten. I know. So I'll, I'll get, We've speeding. named a lot. We're gonna speed through some stuff. <laughs> yeah. So ten ten and nine for me show that you can have your big blockbuster. There can also be fucking good acting in them. Like Rogue One and Endgame, I think, are are the, are some of the best acted Star Wars and Marvel movies. Um, I think they kind of turned um, turned a corner on that because I think that they proved that you can do that in blockbusters a little more. Yeah, very nice. Great. My number nine is Get Out. We've already spoken about it. I don't really have a ton more to add. It's incredible. I, I think that that movie is, like like Lauren said, I think we will look back on 2017. It is not the highest 2017 movie on my list. But I think we will look back on that year at the Oscars and be like, why the fuck didn't this cultural touchstone win Best Picture? Agreed. It is an amazing film that will be discussed for generations to come. Yep. Uh, great. Lauren, what's your number nine? Um, on the note about the Oscars getting it right and getting it wrong, um, my number nine is uh, a movie that is, I think, one of the few examples of the decade of the Oscars getting it right. 
Um, and that was a movie. Shit, I, you put the Shape of Water. On <laughs> <laughs> and as a movie, I watched. I rewatched last night. Um, uh, it's Moonlight. Fuck yeah! Mm-hmm. I love Moonlight. I. It's. A, I think we keep coming back to our, our experiences of seeing it in the theater. But I. I remember seeing Moonlight, and I remember that third section because if you've seen Moonlight, you know that it's split into three segments, and specifically the segment in the third bit. Uh, where they're in a diner. There's a very important scene between two characters in a diner that I don't think I've ever been in a quieter theater in my life. Yeah. I think everyone was just so holding their breath in this moment, and it was it was beautiful. I think that I talked about thing, the things that I'm attracted to in films about the biggest bravery that you can show is in showing your truest self to another human being. Mm-hmm. And being so attracted to movies where that is the that is the central struggle, and I think that no movie this decade was a better encapsulation of that than Moonlight, mm-hmm. when really the entire journey of that movie is leading up to one big moment of emotional bravery mm-hmm. um, that felt so incredibly huge, despite how small of a moment it is on the surface. I think it is a, a beautiful movie in terms of forming empathy for a main character, too. I think yeah. that it lets you in so early and so intensely. And, like, wa- even watching it last night, I was just sort of going to watch it to remind myself of, of kind of the intricacies so I could talk about it. And I ended up putting everything down and just watching this film because I, I, I love these characters so much. And because, like, the second you see him again and again, he always reads as the same person, and he always reads as, like, so vulnerable and so, like, lovable. Mm-hmm. And I want him to be happy, and I want him to be loved so, so much. Yeah, this is one that we, we joked about it earlier, that it's, like, it's not on my list. Um, well, because that's what I think of when I think of, like, the important movies of this decade. Like, I think Moonlight is, like, the top of that list. Because it's, it's very important, important movie and also just incredibly high quality. I think it is a 10 out of 10 film. It is, I think it is... <laughs> I think it's impeccable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, that's just what I was gonna say. I was like, I the like it sits, in, like in my number like seventeen or eighteen on my list. I I think it's impossible to deny that it to deny that it is one of, if not arguably, the best made film of the decade. Mm-hmm. It it just it looks incredible. It sounds incredible. The acting is remarkable. Um. There's like there really isn't a false note played. Trevante Rhodes got fucking robbed of an Oscar. Yeah, Trevante Rhodes and Andre Holland both got. Andre Holland and Ashton Sanders. Yeah, yeah. all three of them like is it's insane. It is purely because they couldn't decide if they were lead or supporting. Yeah. Um, Is he the one that plays him in the middle section? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Who who, like that was the scene that really hit me. He's playing the RZA on the Wu Tang show right now. Oh, that's right. Ashton Sanders section in the middle of that film. The second that you see him just like curled in on himself, trying to be invisible. I, my heart just, like, ripped out of my chest, and I was like, I will do anything to make this kid yeah. be okay. It also announced the arrival of Mahershala Ali, who, yeah. as we now know, is, like, definitely in the top ten best actors working today. Yeah, it was truly the coronation of a king. Yeah, Moonlight was weird for me because I watched this on a road trip from Chicago to Michigan where I was so tired, I needed to stop somewhere, and I'm like, well, I'll see a movie, I'll see Moonlight. So, again, <laughs> horrible way to watch that movie. I like So, so I liked it fine. But I didn't get the full experience, and then I wanted to watch it again, but all I remembered from that year is everyone that I knew being so fucking mad at me because I liked La La Land, that they're like, dude, fuck you, the movie sucks, Moonlight's better, that I hated that movie. And I've never watched it since. I want to, but I have a hard time getting past the fact that so many people 
told me I was a fucking idiot because of this movie that I liked because I they liked that, another that movie was, That was such an annoying that was narrative because so they're I'm both like, very good yeah, movies like, for completely different I reasons. can guarantee anyone who's making that argument cannot make a piece of art that is on the level of either of those films. Yeah. Yeah. So shut the fuck up and let two good things yeah. exist. So, yeah. for, so for the record, like my one director rule stopped La La Land from being on my list. Um, but Moonlight is a movie I swear to myself, within the next year, I will rewatch again in the dark, alone, with a drink. Not on a road trip. And not in a road trip. And love I need to open your heart to me. Yes. I'm very excited. Been, I'm very excited to do that. Like, Moonlight is... Is heartbreaking and heart repairing all at yeah. once, and like I, and Brady Jenkins is a genius. It's a, it's truly a journey, and like I, I, I don't think I've, I, I can think of fewer, few, like few protagonists that I love as much yeah. as this one. Awesome, so movie. Much, yeah. awesome. Cole, what's your number nine? My number nine is Paddington Two, so we'll talk about that in a bit. <laughs> My, and actually, I, I do want to, re- I, <laughs> I do want to. Wait, no, who, <laughs> but all three of you talked about Paddington Two. Who the fuck else is gonna talk about? <laughs> Um, I have a lot of stuff to say about Paddington 2, but I'll wait until later. I also want to retcon. I actually did start with my 15. But my number 8 got deleted off my list. I think it was by Ian. I think he snuck into my letterbox and deleted it because he hates the Grand Budapest Hotel, which is my number 8 of the decade. Um, It's the movie I was talking about earlier when I said there are movies on this list that I watched three times in like a four-day span because the first time I saw Grand Budapest, like I watched it. And then I was just like, we were, I think I was, I was back in Chesapeake, Virginia for Christmas and I was just like doing nothing. So I watched it again and then Sydney hadn't seen it. So I watched it with her. It's just, I, it's a very enjoyable movie. It's a movie I can rewatch endlessly. I think it's something about, uh, Ray Fiennes where I can just, cause like in Bruges is, pro- is I probably watched no movie more than I've watched in Bruges in the oh. last decade, like, or in the last, since it came out, it's, it's my favorite movie to watch. I think it's. I, it's absolutely hilarious. It's so well written. But uh, Grand Budapest Hotel is the same. I just, it's, it's, I, I love Wes Anderson. Um, I love all of his movies that I've seen except Darjeeling Unlimited, which is just not a very good movie. I fucking hate it. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a direct, that was such a cheap that, shot. No, no, I, I we like, said I, we weren't going to do that. No, I like, I, we were talking about it the other day, I like Darjeeling Unlimited. He's just mad because I ranked Darjeeling higher than Grand Budapest. But no, I just, Grand Budapest is just a movie, and it's, it's, it's kind of weird, like, putting Paddington 2 next to it as well, because they both have very, like, similar, like, the, like prison aesthetics. Um, <laughs> yeah, baby, that's why Grand Budapest ain't on my top 15. But, um, but uh but yeah i just i it's 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 got such a great uh supporting cast as well um adrian brody is hilarious and like the so is the bigoted like son and um uh who is it tilda swinton is the tilda swinton's swinton. the dead mom um and then Sh- willem dafoe and saoirse ronan saoirse, saoirse ronan. ronan i always put the show on the wrong syllable but yeah she's she, she's the, my, my main my main problem my my main problem with the movie probably is that she is underutilized because i can watch anything as long as she is in the movie enough i especially will watch it. as long as she's using her actual irish dialect yeah that, well. I, I literally like brooklyn's Shout probably, out to brooklyn. brooklyn's <laughs> probably my top 50 of the decade just because she's it's like two it's like a two two hour and 45 minutes movie and she's in it for like two hours and 40 minutes of it just speaking yeah. i don't mention in brooklyn my um, heart just grows three sizes every time she speaks in that irish dialect but yeah I, um but yeah i won't i won't 
uh, talk about Grand Budapest that much longer, but it's just a movie that I can I can watch it over and over again. Um, I I really love it. I love the main performance. Um, and I just love I love like the the whole like the intro like the kind of like weird just like very small community world building that happens in the hotel. Uh, I like you know the beginning with like Jude Law. I like I just, I was talking to Ian about this the other day. Jason Schwartzman just elevates everything he's yeah. in. Just like that bit part is the concierge. Um, but yeah, I really love Grand Budapest Hotel. I think, because I do like Grand Budapest Hotel. Cole's just We mad don't have to hash this out. Cole's just mad that I don't love it. But I'm I, not mad. I do think, I do think it is the best Anderson movie of the decade. The best Wes Anderson movie of the yeah. decade. Uh, I, I prefer it to Moonrise and I love, I love Dogs. I love Dogs, yeah. Um, but I think that that, the intro and the outro of the movie are, are my favorite parts because I think that the movie does what a lot of my favorite movies do, which uh, is it champions stories and storytelling. And that movie, if anything else for me, especially upon rewatching it, uh, is a lot about the power of like what actually transpired between uh, Zero and, and Mr. Gustav, like is probably not anywhere close to what actually happened in the movie, Mm -hmm. but it's about the power of myth and the power of storytelling and what that can do. And what what a story can give to to like the people that hear it, and so when they close the book at the end, like I don't know, I do I find the the intro of that movie and the outro incredibly moving. Uh, yeah, there's just I I don't know why there's just I like Darjeeling Limited more. <laughs> we don't have to yeah we don't, have to, yeah, yeah, we don't have to hash that out here, but yeah, this. they're both good movies. All right, Lauren, what's your number eight? Um, my number eight is a movie that I'm I'm about. 50% sure might be on someone else's list. I'm not entirely sure. Well, she looks at Eric. Um, and that is a movie that um, I'm going to depart a little bit from my uh, my films about hope and the power of human connection. Maybe a little bit. Uh, it's a sci-fi movie called Ex Machina. Okay. Eric, is, are you giving me the go-ahead? What's, what's this your number? This is my number eight. This is also my number eight. Yeah! <laughs> okay, Eric, Tag team, talk about it. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> this is also my number eight. So Ex Machina is a sci-fi masterpiece. Yes, it's, it's, it's looking it's, great. It has the best scene, one of the best scenes of the decade in the film, in the scene where Oscar Isaac comes out and does a fucking disco dance. With 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 uh with, with a, a lady robot, lady robot. With a lady robot. Um, yeah, uh, this he, is also a play. Yeah. It's a play it's on a, film. It's a play on film. This movie is a masterpiece. Yes. Like, it's, it's, it's like 17 on my list. It's, it's legit so good, 18 yeah. on my on yes. my letterbox. It's, like, it's a three-hander of three fucking stars. Yeah, it is Donald Gleason, um uh uh Oscar Vikander. I- Alicia Vikander and Oscar Isaac. Alicia Vikander doing the performance she ended up not winning an Oscar for, but actually won an Oscar for. Yeah, year. like she got the trophy, she can just etch it out. Um but it it, it is it is a movie that is about I mean it's so cliche to say, but what makes us human? You know, it is literally about what is humanity, um, about how do you actually find love? When can you trust people? When can you not? What are the limits of creation? Um, And also it's fucking hilarious. It's about our relationship with technology. It's about our relationship with each other. It's about our relationship with those who we deem as inferior like life forms, basically. How we deal with things that are our, our creations and our children and what, place they have in our life and what what makes something a child and what makes something a subject Mm -hmm. this is one of those movies that whenever i meet someone new or i start dating someone 
It's it's one of my first go-tos. Like, oh, have you seen Ex Machina? This is my second go-to, and my first go-to is higher up on my list. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's my, a litmus my other test. Go-to, yeah, that yeah. she both did. She, Lauren, you introduced me to Ex Machina. There are and two I love sci-fi this movie. movies that I that I go to every time I meet someone that hasn't seen one of them. This is one of them. The other sci-fi movie is is higher on my list, and I don't know. I don't think I'm the only one with this on. Yes, yeah. but so, but this movie, like, yeah. I I think as far as just pure um, scene work goes, uh, it's one of the highest. I've ever seen as as far as, I mean, I would I would even go to say enjoyability, not because it's it's not stressful. It's a very it's, stressful it's movie. Funny too. Yeah, it's funny. It's a, it's a great watch, and you end it as people who are if you're in the arts, like it makes you want to create something. It makes you want to do something on that level, and I find that very inspiring. And I find it a great watch. And yeah. these three actors, um, if you've only seen them, because they've all been in blockbuster films. Um, Donal and Oscar. Now they Wilson. have, but at the time they were pretty unknown, right? Yeah, yeah, I just, yeah. So at the time, like, this if, was a triple coronation. Yeah, yeah. so like they both been in Star Wars. Alicia Vikander was is in the Tomb Raider franchise now. She was in um, uh, Man from Uncle. If you haven't seen that, she was great. Uh, but if you want to see them, just pull it all back and be people doing amazing scenes and make mm-hmm. you question some things that you think about your own life and about mm-hmm. the world. Ex Machina, you uh, you can't get better. Also, uh, honorable mention to Alex Garland's other film this decade, uh, Annihilation. Yeah. Which Almost also, on my list. I also in my top 20. Also, I, really I didn't want to put two of his films on my list, but after Ex Machina, Alex Garland became kind of one of my directors to watch. Yep. In that every time he dire- he announces a project, I'm instantly <coughs> on board. Yep. Um, Coming at think, you, FX. Yeah, and I think that he, I, I think that he navigates tension incredibly well. Mm-hmm. I think this movie has very little fat on it. Yep. I think that... It, there's like, no fat on it. There's no fat no. on this movie. This movie Similar is... Similar to Alicia Vikander's robot character. Yeah. This is... <laughs> this movie is paced incredibly well. The dialogue is so well written. Yes. And, like, Oscar Isaac is on fire in this film. God. Yeah. If you want to see a character different from, like... Because Oscar Isaac is one of the most beautiful men in the world, and he kind of owns that in a lot of roles. Mm-hmm. If you want to see him just be a guy who is the smartest man in the room, and he knows it, and he will let you know that and let you squirm and smirk at you, you're going to get turned on and terrified at the same time. He's hot in this movie. He's so hot. Maybe yeah. that's a controversial yep. statement. No, I, I, I don't really have anything to add. I think this movie, like, you know, very similar to The Handmaiden, is is kind of a magic trick of a movie. Yep. Where it's so simple, but contains multitudes. It's yep. so brilliant. Yep. Yeah. And you can also go take a, it's a, like, a hotel <clears throat> night stay at the little laboratory where they filmed it. I would love that. Ooh. Just do bicep curls outside. Like, yeah, man. Classic <laughs> in the morning. Um, and do a cleanse. Whose turn is it now? Uh, yeah, Ian's. Mine. My number eight. eight. My number eight. I forgot which way we were going. My number eight's a 2019 film, folks. It is Bong Joon Ho's Parasite. <laughs> Um, yeah, yep, Eric's me. got this. Uh, that is my uh, number seven. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. See, I told you this wasn't going to take much time. Here we go. Um, so yeah, I'm, I also have it higher. So. Oh, great. Oh. Awesome. Then we'll then I'll do like a brief intro. No, and we'll talk t- about more. Yeah, yeah. talk I had much a one director rule, so it's not on my list. Um, I think oh. uh, there is something oh, really yeah. brilliant mm-hmm. about this movie that uh, mm-hmm. that like broke. My fucking heart watching it when Lauren and I went to go see this because I knew in my heart of hearts I would never create anything as good as this. Mm -hmm. Like, this is the most masterfully made movie to come out this year so far um, that I have seen. Uh, What it says about culture, what it says about class differentiation, and the way that it is able to seamlessly navigate between not just character point of views and storylines but fucking genre this movie jumps from being like 
a socially conscious drama to being a all-out comedy Tommy to Bears. being a horror film to being a heist movie to being a heist movie to like and just kind of like you are along for the ride and mm-hmm. i was having i was having so much fun watching this movie that by the time we got to the finale which meets every expectation that you could have had for it and very much like get out just makes good on every single promise the movie is set up even promises you did not realize were promises mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My mind was just continually being blown. Like, I, I, Lauren and I went to go see Knives Out the other day, which is great. Oh, so good. But I spent a lot of that time, like I do watching mystery movies, trying to figure out the mystery. Mm-hmm. Just trying to figure out what was going on. And this movie was unfolding at such a pace that I actually reached a point about 20 minutes in where I was like, I, I just kind of have to sit back and just see where this goes. Yeah. And where yeah, it went don't was, let anyone tell you what happens in this movie. Where it went was nowhere I expected it to go. And I think it is, it does the Moonlight thing of being one of the most important movies that has come out this decade and does uh, what is going to be the next number on my list uh, and is also one of the most fun movies of the decade. This is the one I've only seen once. Uh, and I, I cannot <coughs> wait. I am itching. To go see this fucking movie. Yeah, it's killed me that I haven't seen it a second. Yeah, yeah. I've wanted to. I, I literally could have walked walked out from the first showing, gone back and into walked a second right showing, back and watched. That's it again. exactly how I this felt. is the movie that uh, this year I think, especially in this in this particular friend group, has been the most popular in the. Hey, do you see Parasite yet? Yeah. Hey, do you, like we've all been like, hey, oh my god, has someone seen it so I can talk about it with? Because we have we have not mentioned this yet in this discussion. It's a foreign film. It's a South Korean yeah. film. It's all in Korean. Yeah. Um. So it didn't get as big of a release. Uh, it was as, also like setting records for like per theater average. Well, it just got yeah, it just got bought, yeah bought by Neon this past year at TIFF. I think is where it got bought because it's being distributed. It's being distributed wide right now, but it's right. still because the foreign film is not getting the audience. That I remember right. when it was initially showing in New York. I was reading like t- critics were <coughs> tweeting about how it was like every showing was sold out. Yeah, yeah, you can't get it. Like two theaters in New York and like. It was completely sold out for days. Yeah, so if you are you in... could not see it. If you have not seen this movie yet, and I think out of, out of this list, this might be the one that a lot of people have not seen yet. Um, I think that's why we're a little uh, more vague about the actual plot points itself. Because you um, deserve to see this You deserve movie to cold. see it. It is a masterpiece. And, I mean, I recency bias is tough because I know you said you didn't see Marriage Story. I watched Marriage Story this week. Um, I don't know how Parasite and Marriage Story will end up in my top of the Mm -hmm. year, so stay tuned for that. (laughs) Um, But I... uh, Everything you said is is right. I mean, my... I mean, my top top eight and seven were Ex Machina and Parasite, so I'm going to throw it right back to you uh, with just saying that Parasite is one of those films that I'm so glad that I've started to enter into the more film landscape of, like, following films that aren't necessarily as popular getting as much pop like mainstream buzz because I never would have found this film and never would have seen this type of craft before. There's a specific shot in the movie that has to do with water running downstairs that broke my fucking heart yeah. to an extent that I didn't understand it could. Uh, and you got to see it. Yeah, yeah. there is, uh, because I'll talk about it later, but there's just, there was a, a lot, um, when, when Joker came out, there was a lot of discussion around that movie. We talked about this before we started recording, but like that movie got a lot more discussion than it deserved, in my opinion. Um, and a lot of discussion about how it handled, um, you know, like, like people in poverty and like the wealth gap and all of that stuff. And uh, like I saw the movie and did not think it handled those things as well or as subtly as a lot of people said. And then I saw Parasite and I was like, there are so many people that are going to see Joker and think that like, 
literally it handle it handles those points well and like they're not going to see parasite <clears throat> which just it, it it fucking eviscerates i think like like there i there's no i've seen i've actually seen like a decent number of movies this year like it's been in the theater a lot and just like nothing comes close to parasite it, this movie is just it's like ian said it handles nine different genres like the first like fifth like the first like 20 minutes it's like you're watching oceans 11 mm-hmm. and then like yeah. there, are, there are parts where you're watching like saw or something it's yeah. like not not in like the gory sense but just like the tension yep. um there it's just it it flips flop yeah. it flip flops between those things quiet place like you're yeah. and then you're watching the conjuring room. and then you're yeah. watching yeah it's there's a genuinely terrifying shot in that film like yeah. yes in parasite there what i was not prepared for no the real ghost that story was, yeah, it was really. like yeah there's like a ghost story that's told in that movie and you're like oh god that's genuinely really fucked yeah. up and disturbing and makes food look so delicious yeah oh, yeah <laughs> So catch it. I want those noodles. Hey folks. So at this point, we actually split the episode in two because we are recording over three hours of content. It's amazing how much we love movies. So uh, just get ready. In a few days, we are going to release part two of our top 15 movies of the decade. So please remember to rate us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all the things you love. Be sure to check out Eric on the Living Force podcast uh, with utini.com. Make sure you send us emails at notanotherfilmpodcast at gmail.com and rate us five stars or more. If you can rate more, that would be really, really cool on all of your preferred podcast platforms. Thank you very much for listening, folks. Bye.